Okay, welcome to another edition of the Cultural Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. We're recording this on a Friday, so TGIF, I was just discussing with our guests right before the episode started about how his week was. So uh, before we introduce him, let's just uh, have a little bit of that on tape as well. So how was your week, bro? Uh, it was it's great. I mean, I'm finish, I'm finishing off the week uh, really strong. You know, I've been uh, knee deep in uh, fundraising for my company Safe, and so you know that's that's been a that's been a, a long process, but you know I'm starting to get some good traction there. Right, right, right. Did you close any term sheets, or, or it's kind of like yeah. very strongly? Oh, congrats. Yeah. Yeah, I closed uh, a couple of term sheets. I mean, you know, I closed I closed them uh, last week, um, but a lot of the wires just came through this week. So, you know, the, so it's starting to feel more real. No, I've always asked myself, you hear, you know, when you watch YouTube videos, you, you hear people talk about, oh, they closed a term sheet, but what happens that there's some kind of due diligence that goes on after that? Like, how long does that take? What does it involve? Did they go talk to your great-grandmother in Haiti yeah. somewhere? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean, I think it just depends on what, like, firm you're at, like, what firm you're dealing with, and also whether or not, like, it's an investment from, like, you know, um, like an angel or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just really depends. You know, I, I think uh, I think it really just depends on how much, also how much money it is, too. Like, if you're, I mean, you know, we're not raising a ton of money, you know, um, you know, but if we were raising millions, I mean, they probably would do tons of different background checks and just to see who, are, like, just to make sure they're not sending money to somebody, like, that, that shouldn't be having China millions somewhere. of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like right. you know, they they I in my case, you know, um, and I, I I'm an ER at a, a front, so I think that sometimes you know when Sorry, you, you are you're a what? What did you say? An, an EIR, so entrepreneur yeah. residence. Oh God. And um, yeah, yeah, and um, you know, when you are fundraising, the, the more companies that you have that are essentially like you know, that you're associated with, you know, that kind of lowers the amount of you know um, diligence, I guess, because they kind of already feel like you know, uh, the, the company that you're with already did the, the background work on you. Sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, pardon me for not saying your name at the beginning. Um, so we have Rodney Gaines uh, on the podcast all the way from Michigan. Are you in Detroit or the Michigan area? Yeah, I'm in Detroit right now. So I was, so I was, so originally I was born in Detroit. I grew up in a suburb called Farmington Hills, maybe like 20 minutes away from uh, Detroit. But right now I'm right near downtown. Nice, nice. Yeah, I was in Detroit. Detroit in what was that? What 2018 or something? I was in Greek Town. Um, okay, yeah. And so. it was it was surprising to walk to. I think it's the Michigan River or something. Yeah. And yeah. apparently, it's not that far away from Canada or something. Yeah. That was pretty yeah, strange. Yeah, you can see Canada across the across the river. Yeah, I always thought about Canada being close to like upstate New York or something. I never right. knew it extended all the way to like Michigan. So that was pretty interesting yeah. to find out. Yeah, and and there's like a tunnel too. So there's two ways to get to Canada from from Detroit. You can either go through the bridge or you can go through the uh the, the underground tunnel. But I think both right now are closed because of COVID. But you know. Oh, interesting. Okay, let, let's. I mean, you're you're a Detroit native. You grew up in Detroit. Let's talk about you growing up. Like it's it's pretty. I guess it's pretty commonplace that anyone who grew up in Detroit had some affiliation to the automotive industry, whether that's through you know family or something like that. What was it like for you in particular? What was it like for you? as a little boy how many siblings did you have um what kind of kind of activities did you grow up doing and did you have any ties to the automotive industry yeah for sure so um yeah so my experience growing up was a little bit different than somebody who would like grow up like in in the city of detroit like i said i was i grew up in farming hills you know uh, which is a suburb of detroit and so my life i lived uh, i was uh you know in, in a pretty much like predominantly white area you know um, growing up and uh you know i have two siblings both younger um a brother and a sister and my sister is the older one out of, out of the two um but yeah and like growing up you know the typical activities like you know going to friends houses going outside you know um you know basketball football just all different types of sports you know um also you know i skateboarded growing up a little bit too for a couple of years that was that was that was different um but yeah yeah i mean just typical stuff and then as far as like like being like ties to the automotive industry i actually ended up working for ford you know uh, right at the oh. high school um but that was like you know after high school but um i didn't know people i knew a ton of people that worked for like either ford or gm growing up and and i asked that question uh, and I'll, I'll i'll state why i asked it in a bit but you mentioned like different sports like basketball skateboarding that kind of thing is detroit um sports heavy kind of like philly would you say detroit's a sports heavy that you grew up like uh people place a lot of importance on sports sports to get into a certain team or going professional that kind of thing 
Um, let me think about. I mean, I think sports is important. You know, I guess it's just normal. In 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 uh, I guess I don't really know how it compares to other like you know uh, states or or cities, but you know, yeah, sports was 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 big. It was important. You know, um, you know, I I, just, I pretty much just played sports in my neighborhood with with the kids that was there. Um, you know, um, most of the time like. And, and then for school, I didn't really play that many school sports. I, I did wrestling um, when I was in high school, but like outside of that, I wasn't really, you know, a, a part of like any sports teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was important. I mean, we had a great team at, at my high school uh, for football. So, you know, they won the state championship um, almost two times, one time. Wow. Um, and um, yeah. What we high school few, did you go to? I went to Harrison High School. Harrison. Got it. Interesting. And what was your favorite sport growing up? Uh, it was basketball. Yeah. Growing up, oh, initially, like, wait, it was, did it was you, basketball. Did you grow up in the 90s or like the early 2000s? Did you experience the whole, uh, oh my God, what's the name? Isaiah, I guess? Isaiah Thomas or? Yeah, or, Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I, I grew up in the 90s. I was, I was born in 94. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, basketball was like my first and favorite sport. I mean, I pretty much played it every single day, you know, growing up. Right, right, right. I mean, you hear about the 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 bad boys of Detroit, so the Detroit Pistons, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was pretty interesting, and you yeah. know, just all those memories when I watched the the Jordan documentary, you know, the last dance, just reliving all those memories from the from the nineties. I was pretty young, but it became clearer that oh, this is what they were yeah. going through in sports and all that. Okay, yeah, so you had yeah. kind of, I mean, you went to a school who won state championship. You you and engage in sports here and there. You were affiliated with the automotive industry. How did that shape or not shape what you eventually became? Because we're going to talk about your tech background, right? Because sure. like seeing, being in front of these options in quote, like there's sport, there's automotive. Okay, maybe I can grow up and work. You did eventually work out for it, but like, how did you discover tech? Like, where did that come from? Uh, tech was honestly like something that I just just ran it was really honestly random i think i just you know um i was a very uh, curious kid so i think that um i just had i, I looking back at it I, it just it was really just like a series of just steps like like but it wasn't like planned or anything because like i knew nobody in tech growing up i had like no idea there was a tech industry like i knew about bill gates and that was about it i thought he was pretty dope but um so i guess it initially started with um you know um i had a, a playstation or i had a psp the handheld one and okay. um you know my, my parents wouldn't let me get grand theft auto on my psp so i so i learned how to hack into it so that i can get uh grand theft auto without them knowing and i kind of just went down that like rabbit hole of like learning how like things work wow um, but was and, it the uh, old psps that had the small cds yeah with the small cd in it yeah exactly, exactly. how in god's name um, did you hack that one <laughs> Yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't remember. It, it had to have been Google and some type of, I don't know exactly, but it was Google, combination of Google and like just other stuff. But yeah, I remember, I, I, I think it was called Jailbreaking and I and, and um, I was able to download any game. All you had to do was like load it onto like the, the memory card. And then so, you know, so that's how I kind of got around like some of my parents' like restrictions and whatnot. But but um, I just kind of followed that, um, that curiosity. And I remember one time I went down to... Um, most of my dad's side of the family's in Florida and I was down there and um and uh, one of my cousins I believe had a uh had a c computer in, in the corner that I didn't like that they weren't using at all and I remember like asking like do they like do, would they mind if I had it and they said yeah sure and then I asked my parents they were like yeah if you could fit it in the car so and I remember bringing it back home um and um when I was at back home I was kind of just you know I remember like ins installing windows on it and then uninstalling it and installing different versions and I was just like playing around like doing Doing different things but just in like my room i wasn't really like um you know I, I i was just playing with it and then um i don't know man i just like there was like a lot of other steps that happened too but it's just like it really just came down to like following curiosity Oh, nice. And following curiosity, like, did that stem from something? Like, obviously, your parents allowing you to take a computer home, I would imagine they, they encourage your curiosity in some way as well, by buying you a PSP and all these things. What were some of the initial things that looking back, you would say, oh, I see that, oh, I was always the kid that, you know, tinkered with the appliances. I was always the kid who asked all those questions. I was always also the kid who asked my teachers, you know, um, about things, that kind of thing. Would you say, you know, notice some traits now yeah. kind of like looking back well yeah you know i think um yeah i was definitely a kid that was always tinkering with stuff i was also like always fixing things like i just love fixing like different like 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 things like it could be a remote or 
it could be, you know, just something random. But I just love fixing stuff and um, building. I actually love building. Like anytime, like there was like a like an office chair or or a desk, I just like to to build. You know, um, I took pride of like not like looking at the manual too. Like so, that was like type of kid. But nice. um, but yeah, I mean, it was that. Um, my parents, as far as like encouraging, um, yeah, I mean, I to be honest, I don't think they really thought about it. I mean, because computers back then were like my mom was like the person that kind of showed me like the internet and showed me that like you know and so you know she was aware of the internet I think she was one of those newer she was one of those people that just understood um but I, as far as like encouragement I don't really think that they um encouraged much because they, they it wasn't really like clear what the internet was or it, or anything right. would be come of it like to be honest I think that they actually thought that it wasn't a good thing that I was on the computer because uh, they probably just you know I think they assumed that I was just pretty much playing games um and that was true for a while like you know um but I, I remember one time you know I um went to uh I went to my mom I was like you know I had this bright idea went knocking on her door I was like you know I'm, I'm trying to sell my games for computer parts on eBay and at first he kind of was like nah like you know um and then you know I just kept asking her and then eventually I sold my my games on eBay and built my first computer when I was 13 and then from there I kind of like you sold your games on eBay yeah exactly wow. like did you make like physical games and store them in some kind of like how I sold did you my store your games, games. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought you said you like were making games or something. How old were you when all this was going on? When I sold my games, I was like 13. So I was just like probably just going into high school. Uh, so yeah, you know, I sold the I sold the games and built my first computer. And, um, you, you know, I was just kind of like just uh, just experimenting with random stuff. And then um, I, I don't know how, but um, I ended up getting interested in um, coding, but by accident, like one of the games that I was playing it used a it used java which was like a coding language and so like i because i was because i kept seeing java load up every time i played it i was like what is this and i looked into it and i realized that i could make like software with it and and in, in my mind i'm like well you know if i can build like this computer then i could build like the applications that are on the computer and then um you know i ended up uh, getting this book called um uh, teach yourself something like teach yourself java in 21 days or something like that and i actually read that uh, i tried to get a friend to read it too but he was At like 13 yeah yeah wow and i went and I went through it and um, I was just practicing like different stuff, like kind of playing with it. Um, and yeah, it was just like that, that. And then um, then things kind of got crazy. It was like, um, you know, I was involved in a lot of games online, like, you know, um, Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, all that stuff, RuneScape. And, um, you know, I ended up um, launching, well, I was involved in like the gaming communities online. And um, I ended up launching some bots for RuneScape. And, um, you know, I just did it for free. I didn't really think much of it. And, um, you know, um, and they actually got so much like traction early on that the people who own like the communities they reached out to me to join a private platform and um and and back then you know honestly like they're like yeah you can make some money so back then i was honestly like yeah i would love to do it like and the only thing i really wanted was like an ipod touch i didn't really want that much like i, I wasn't really thinking that that big back then um and um so i joined the platform and um man like long story short like i had one of the top products on on the private platform and, I, and by the time i was 16 i had made you know two hundred thousand dollars just selling you know bots online wow. wait by the time you were how old 16 16 so from 13 yeah. to 16 that's three years you started from yeah. buying yourself a book yeah. to learn how to code in 21 days yeah. and three years later you made two hundred thousand yeah. dollars like yeah. how did you like was it like a subscription you had to buy things like how did what was the revenue model with that oh yeah yeah so the, so the way it worked it was like you you would buy um it was basically like you would buy a code to be able to use the product um for like unlimited uses you know um and it wasn't a subscription or anything it would have been it honestly had it been a subscription Description, I would have made like, I mean, like just ridiculous. Like, we would have made much more money, but like, you know, um, but but yeah, it was it was you would buy it was one time purchase and you would be able to use it unlimited. Um, and yeah, like you know, um, when I first did it, you know, um, you know, the way it worked was like, you know, I, there was there would be like a uh, there was a a merchant and then there was a platform fee and then there was like me, right? Or like the developer. And so like every every person gets a cut, right? And um, the merchant is the person that kind of like they have a bunch of different developers and they sell their products on their site, right? Um, right. And so, you know, I was on one of the top sites at the time and um, yeah, they just sold a lot of product and I had a, a good product and it was it was needed. So, you know, I just did very well. I mean, not, not a lot of 16-year-olds end up having like $200,000. Like what do your parents 
parents say that yeah. did, how did you even stay focused to go on to college like a lot of yeah. you know give a lot of young kids that amount of money you'll just be like okay i guess we'll just uh, go on a binge or something like how yeah, what did yeah. your parents say and how do you manage to kind of like stay grounded yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, at first it was a secret, man. Like at first I like, cause I wasn't supposed to have like a PayPal account. Like you had to be 18 to have a PayPal account. So like the way that I did it was I signed up for PayPal, but back then, like there was like a, there was like a little like glitch or like a bug in the code where if you said that you were from Singapore, that they wouldn't check your age on your PayPal. So I just wow. said that I was from, I, I signed up for PayPal and I just said I was from Singapore and they didn't check my age or anything. And I was able to take money. And, and so, um, and then, you know, um, and at first I wasn't saying anything. I kind of didn't really understand what was going on. I was like, I said, I was a curious kid. So I was just going down this rabbit hole. I didn't really know that anything was gonna, I didn't know if I was really even gonna Come get paid. On, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, I'm trying to just PayPal. I'm thinking like, I might get like $50 here, a hundred dollars here. And like, I'm not thinking like, you know, and so, um, and then, and I started getting like 500 and I started getting like a thousand. And then I'm like, then I started getting a little scared. Cause I'm like, I don't know anything about taxes. I don't have a social security number. I don't know any of this information. Like, and, it, and, and, you know, and so at some point I realized that I had to tell my parents. And so I, so I went and told my mom first. And, um, when I told her, she was like, you know, um, she, she was just looking at, she was just like, she didn't know what to say. She was like, what is this? Like, and it wasn't like, I didn't have all the money back then, but it was just like a little bit, but she's like, you know, right. like, what's like, what are you doing? Like, what exactly? Exactly. And I was explaining it to her, but like looking back at it, there's she no way. She un- it. Yeah, right. looking back at it, there's no way she understood what I was even talking about. But like, you know, I'm like, mom, just, I made these like scripts and this, this, and that. She's she and she doesn't, she's not in tech. She doesn't know what that is. Um, but she sees the money, so she's like, okay. And then at first it was kind of like me, and my mom was kind of watching it, you know, and it was growing a little bit. And then at a certain point, then my mom was like, all right, we gotta bring your dad in because it's getting, it's getting, you know, it's it's, it's becoming, you know, a couple thousand here, three thousand there, or whatever. And then so. Um, then my she we talked to my dad about it and uh he was excited he was he was like he was excited um and as far as like you know like how we went about things i mean it, it was a great time too because like uh, that was also a time when you know there was a housing crisis right and i it was like mm. 2008 2009 um um and um so my family was you know um i wouldn't say like you know on the brink of like you know like disaster but we what we needed like uh, the that that situation it was actually a perfect timing you know my when i talked to my mom about it. And, um, you know, a lot of our neighbors, not a lot of them, but like a handful of our neighbors had just like had to move out. Like there was just like a bunch of stuff going on. So, you know, I was, you know, when I was getting paid, I mean, I was able to help my family out a lot. Um, wow. And, you know, um, looking back at it, I never really thought about it. When I say these things out loud, it sounds interesting though. It's like, you know, I, I remember, you know, we got a new stove, new refrigerator, new whole new couch, you know, TV, like, you know, just like, just close, like just, just free, I guess in a lot of ways renovating, you know, our, uh, where we are living. And then we also went on some vacations um yeah and i stacked some money for myself you know um but yeah no it was it was interesting I mean, how, how a lot much of money things. did you stack for yourself i'm interested to know how much your parents allow you allowed you keep i mean they they allowed me to keep a, a lot i mean i i think um i don't know i don't remember how much i stacked because honestly i spent a lot of money at first i started off like saving and like you know like i started off on like perfect like just save this every month save this every month and then like after a while the money just kept coming in and, and oh, honestly, so the two hundred thousand was over the span of how long yeah, a year two it was over it was over like a two, about two years so okay. like I, that's still I significant learned, money yeah yeah no no it was very significant money it, it was probably a little bit more than two years but it was around two years but like you know um spread out like and and a lot of the the biggest check came at like the the the, the end of the end of the situation but um um yeah i mean i kept a good amount but here's the thing i started spending a lot like i just started spending a lot um and um yeah like i mean teenager would right what, what were some of the things you you indulge in man back then i had amazon so i was like buying just tons of stuff like i was like i mean you know what some of the best things that i bought were um were were like i bought a brand new computer like a dream computer it was like four thousand nice. dollars um just i loved it. it had the lights in it like the 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 cooling the video card and all that stuff um the desk brand new desk and you know um yeah i mean i spent a lot of the stuff on i, I spent i got some cars you know um nothing like crazy but we had um a car for myself but a couple cars just for like just i guess they were all my cars but like you know we considered it like family cars too so you know i got um uh one jag it was like an old school jag um and then uh it was green so i still remember it um then there was um a um uh i had a saturn uh just like a everyday everyday car um i also had a dodge intrepid too um 
Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, honestly, but you know, I, I, when, when I to be honest, I thought I was going to be like, the texts were coming in so consistently that I was like, you know, like at 16, I was thinking like, man, I'm going to be a millionaire. Like that's, that's how I was feeling. Like, I was like, this is like, like this is not going to stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like my mind was like, this is not going to stop. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm perfectly aligned to be a millionaire. It's like, it's, it's going to happen. And, um, you know, obviously that didn't happen that way, you know? So I think, um, that taught me something, but I, it was a great experience for sure. Nice. Nice. So you eventually like did all that and you went to college, right? Like given what happened with you getting all this money from your skill as a programmer, did that inform what you eventually went to school to do? Like, were you pretty dead set? Oh, you know what? I'm going to be in this space for life. Like I've seen it. I'm 16. This is how much I was able to mass like i've seen the potential let me just go through with it whether that's with education with career was it all like uphill in the tech field from there yeah so i i did i i think it, yeah it definitely uh confirmed where i wanted to go to school i mean how i how i wanted to do school so i went to school for computer science um but i only did one year you know i did one year and then i dropped out um and um a lot of things happened because of that but like you know it was it just came down to like you know, every class that I went to, I already knew material. Like I, I knew that, all the material. And, that's and so, kind of like the reason why a lot of computer science majors drop out, right? Like, you know, yeah. all the material. Um, did you feel like you were wasting time going to class and you would rather be building stuff? Like what was the rationale there and how did your parents react to that? Well, what I would say is, well, my parents didn't care. Like, I, I think like after I started making that type of money in high school, like they just never had any doubts about like what I could do. You know, they're just like, you, you'll, you'll find out anything. Because even after that, like I just went to work a regular job at Kmart like I wasn't like doing anything crazy I was just being living a normal life again and um you know but um so when I dropped out of school they didn't they, they didn't they didn't think much of it you know they actually didn't think I was even gonna go to school they didn't even think I was gonna do that route you know based mm -hmm. on my history but um but yeah I mean um as far as like the I knew a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of computer science graduates, they they do, uh, you know, they already know a lot of material. I didn't feel like I was wasting time. Actually, I was having a great time. And, you know, I kind of, I to be honest, like, you know, um, I was having too much of a good time. My issue right. my issue was that I knew, like, the issue was that I knew knew the material. Like, and so I didn't take school as seriously as I should seriously. have. Seriously. Yeah, so, you know, I was just spending money to basically hang out, you know, and it was like, you know, and then when, um, when I left school and I really thought about it, um, I was like, you know what, let me just actually try to get a professional job. And it took me only like a few months to do it, you know, and then what is I a got, few months, like four or five, four to six, like, yeah, like four or six, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah. Cause I actually, you know what, what I forgot to mention was like, you know, um, before, before I went to college, I had made an app and it was a, it was a Twitter app that lets you see who unfollowed you and who followed you over a certain period of time. And, like Twitter, um, Twitter, the Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and I, and I launched it when I was in high school, but when I went to college, I actually didn't code that my first year in college, I didn't code at all, except for my classes. Like I didn't try to do any extra filler, like coding or anything. Um, and, um, and yeah, th that, that blew up while I was at college, but I didn't know it blew up cause I was not like coding at all. And then, so like hmm. after school, I checked it and I realized that it had blew up and it had like over like a hundred thousand people, um, had downloaded the app and it was like 20,000 active users every, you know, every, nice. uh, month and so um I, I so I started getting into like the mobile app stuff, you know, um, and then I used that skill to get a job later on. Nice, nice. So wait, you you didn't drop out of school for a specific reason, like oh, you know what, I'm gonna leave because I need to work on this other thing. You just kind of like you know what, like I'm not supposed to be here. Let me go out. Then you eventually kind of like landed a job, kind of thing. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean honestly, like to, if I, if I'm be uh, truthfully, like I got kicked out of school, like for for I didn't, I had I didn't have any grades. You know, I I was never a student. Like. I, I was never a good student. Um, you didn't take any tests or anything? Yeah, no, I was never, yeah, no, I was, I was just never was a good student. I wasn't even, uh, even in high school, I, I, like, I was the kid who just had, like, a, a regular 2.3. Like, I, I wasn't, like, honors or anything like that. Like, I had money, and I, I I knew how to make money. I've always known how to make money, but, I like, can I, do I know how to get an A? Like, that's not, that's never been me. You know, so, like, when I went to college, like I was saying earlier, you know, um, I already knew the material as far as the coding stuff, but, like, I just wasn't, like, I just, like, I was just there to hang out. So, like, eventually, like, you know, um, they're like, hey, look, like, you can't just, be going to school just to just to chill you know you know so um and initially i was going to go back to school but then like once i got the job i was like well if everybody's going to school to get to get the job and then i have I the job 
Yeah, then why would I be going to so like... So what, what type of job was it? It was um, a mobile engineer job. So I was making iPhone apps. Interesting, interesting. You know what? That's interesting because a lot of people argue about how school like kind of like stifles creativity in a way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like um, people say it, it can feel a little bit, bit kind of like tough for someone who already understand because school is very structured right oh you have to do this do this get that grade get this grade follow this line but if that's not what you're predisposed to you know follow then it becomes some sort of a challenge okay so you dive head deep into the tech space you're a mobile developer you do all sorts of stuff and this is all still within michigan right yes yeah Okay. Okay. So, so you do all this when was, but for the most part, let's say before you got the job, right? You had been doing a lot of projects on your own, whether it's the stuff that made you $200,000 or the Twitter app or all these different things, you have pretty much been coding on your, you had never really, you had your online forums where you had never really worked in teams or seen the tech culture until yeah. you yeah. got that job after you exactly. left school, right? That's true. So That's true. what yeah. was your, like, how was what was that like? Like, were you, did you have any expectations? Uh, how was it like for you? Like being this young black kid who just dropped out of school, you were dropping out of school. You should have been what, 18 or something, something like yeah, that. I was, yeah. It was like, I was 19. 19. So like you, you weren't even 20 or 21 yet. And you know, you go into this culture, which I assume was like an office culture with like, yeah, you know, yeah, hierarchy exactly. and, you know, yeah. projects and deadlines. Like, what was that like for you? I mean, it was completely different than what I had came from before. Cause like, it's like what I would say is what I was working at before with like my first way I was making money, it, there was like a, like nobody knew who you were. It was like anonymous. It was like, we all like knew each other. And like, we would like kind of like work together a little bit. And stuff. Yeah. Usernames right. and like whatnot. And like, you know, the most people kind of knew you was like through like Skype, like so that your voice maybe, but like, it was never like, you know, it started to become a little bit more personal towards the end, but like for the most part, it, it wasn't at all. And so like, it was just like, come in, long as you can get your stuff done we don't like it was no hours like it was just like upload the product and then like you'll get paid you know and so like when i went to you know uh the company's called nexient which was a company in ann arbor which is like almost an hour from detroit and um and and i was working at nexient it was a, the culture was I mean, it was it was really friendly actually nexient was the perfect company looking back on it you know um uh great people they wanted me to start immediately um i mean i had interviewed for a ton of jobs like before that you know it didn't take me that long to get a job but i did talk to a few jobs before and nexient gave me an early shot before i had any professional experience um and they wanted me to start immediately and i started Still remember getting the offer letter just like couldn't believe it like at 19 and back then it was like uh you know it was like 50 why did you even top. put on your resume like or they didn't need a resume to just like tested you I, on some I, technical I, stuff you know what it was i put the app that i made and then i i think i yeah i just put the app that i made Smart. and i think i and, and so i went to the interview and um and i and they texted me on something technical and um i got i'm not gonna lie i got lucky like i really got lucky i really didn't know how to approach the problem but like i just said something that just came to my mind and it, and it actually worked out you know and so um yeah like literally got that offer like later than actually the next day and they wanted me to start on monday and you know i was just i, I literally signed it immediately it was it was it was a good offer and um yeah the culture was it was it was welcoming it was cool i mean um we worked on a bunch of different apps like so they're like a they're similar to like a consulting they're not consulting but it's similar where it's like they have companies come in that need a project done and then we would build the app for them you know Okay. Okay. So you're fully into the tech world now. You're earning money. I mean, you went on to like do other things like work for other people, like start your own projects, that kind of thing. At any point in time, were you ever, I don't want to use the word disappointed, but right. You like, I know it happened to me, like in, in, in the finance or banking, like where you have this view of what the industry is supposed to be and you get in and you experience, you know, it might be some kind of like it might be underwhelming in a sense that oh this is not what i thought it would be you might experience some forms of prejudice or something that oh i don't feel welcome here or things like that did you experience any of that in your you know journey through the tech world leading up to today yeah um so i didn't um you know what when i got to ford i did feel um it felt um it was great like as far as like 
the pay was amazing. I mean, I was like, I got like they made an exception. Like Ford usually requires a degree. I just so happened to work with somebody that was like willing to like make that exception. And uh, so I I can't say they weren't welcoming because they let me in without a degree, and that was like the main thing that stopped people from working at Ford. But you know, I was thinking that Ford was going to be a certain experience, and it wasn't. And, and it wasn't like it was bad, but it was more so like I was young, and so like being in the corporate environment was just extremely boring. It was like, it was worse in school. It was worse in school. So like, so I'm making all this money, but I like, I'm just like, I just, <laughs> I just can't take it. And, and, were, um, were you buttoned up like going to Ford in a suit or something? Oh, yeah. I'm not really... No, I wasn't, I wasn't in the suit. I was, I was in, I definitely was buttoned up though. That's the only company like I was like, I was buttoned up and you know, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe in there. But um, Did you get discounts on a Ford car at least or something? <laughs> I did. I mean, I did. I didn't use it, but I had like, I mean, yeah, Ford was great because it was like the work was easy and it was a lot of money. But like, and also like, obviously like, you know, friends and family are looking at it like, oh, you made it. Like you're at Ford. That's like, that's, that's everything. Mm -hmm. But like, especially growing my, up in Detroit, right? Exactly. Or in Michigan. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But you know, so, you know, and, and I can't even say that it was a tech culture at Ford. It's like, it's an automotive company, you know? So we right. weren't like, I was working on, a, on the tech side, but that wasn't really tech culture. It was just like, we're a tech team within inside, you know, the whole automotive industry. And so I don't know, I had, to, I had to make a change, honestly, you know, and I was, and that was right around the time I was getting interested in the startups you know mm. um and um yeah you know that that's interesting let me ask you this like what has been the motivation for you changing jobs either changing jobs to go work at a different place or you know leaving to start your own thing or something like you don't need to be specific about where you left but i'm always curious is it safe to say like a techie gets easily bored with a project or something and is always looking for the next thing like what was your experience like if i look at your resume like every other year and a half or two years you're going somewhere else like what would you say mm -hmm. was the reason for some of those moves yeah i think um one of the big reasons um um it, it really well one i think it's, it's slightly different for each time but like you know the early on it was about early on it was about all right how can i get to the next you know amount of money that can make you know or that, that's what it was about it was like how, how can i get to the next level of in my mind the next step you know um like um and, and graduate essentially like to the next level um and um but then it became about like interest and in, like what i'm interested in you know so like you know so when i went from started i left board you know um it was because i had joined this network it was called uh, a company called gigster and i had joined gigster to do like projects for like big companies like microsoft google whatever okay. and um and i just realized that everybody in gigster was way better than me like it was like it, and it was like it bothered me it was like i was just like these people was that the like, first time you saw that yeah it's the first time i saw that because like everybody's mm -hmm. from california pretty much everybody's from the bay area i'm like these guys are spinning up apps in like two, of two weeks like and that's like in michigan it's just a slower pace of life in general so like nobody's thinking like move fast move fast move fast they're just thinking like we'll get it done in a few months and that's perfect but like gigster was like it showed me like that people are moving way faster so and it was also a startup so then like i just realized that if i wanted to be you know competitive that i need to be in california you know or otherwise i wouldn't be taken serious in in, in tech no it's interesting you mentioned that because we all have that point in our life where we either you know traveled somewhere as a kid or watched something on tv or experienced a person who came from a different place like when we grew up like our whole world is just like a few blocks around right we don't see too far but when we experience yeah. and this i say that to say because this, this podcast is about culture right like there's always an importance to see how there's always something to learn about how things are being done in other places and mm -hmm. you know the world is kind of like getting more open now with the internet but people feel comfortable like in their space and it's not i guess it's not natural to like go out there and just go on a wild adventure and like try things mm -hmm. human beings want this sense of security and things but that was not the case for you you knew that professionally that you had to go to san francisco yes. to get yeah. this thing achieved and you had been in michigan your whole life like you hadn't left like you might have traveled you said you traveled on vacation with your family but yeah how important would you say that is in today's world kind of like interacting with people from other cultures like getting out there seeing what's out there being open to experience new things like not just even professionally but even personally how did that work for you eventually being in a different environment how did that impact I mean, you professionally and personally yeah i mean just in 
un- unexplainable ways, man. Unexplainable ways. It's, I mean, it's so important. Like, I mean, you, you, I, I read a stat one time. It was like, you know, maybe like 80 or 90% of people like will live their whole life in their hometown, you know? And, um, you know, for me, oh, that like, must be in the U S right. That must be yeah, in the yeah, United yeah, States. Yeah. That's... Yeah. In the U S. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. and, yeah. And, and, um, and so it's a, it's just large number. And, um, and, you know, and I, and I see that, like, I see that a lot of people that I grew up with and they live, they basically lived all their life, you know, out here. And for me, you know, taking that jump to California, I remember one day I literally picked up the phone and called my friend. I was like, look, you're trying to go to the Bay. And, uh, he said, yeah, let's do it. And like two weeks later, like sold my car, got rid of my apartment and like, we went to the Bay and, and, you know, we slept on air mattresses for the first six months and it was terrible. It was hard, but we eventually got, you know, jobs at startups that were, you know, that paid us good money. And we never seen six figure salaries before, but that was the first time. And, and it was like, you know, going from Detroit um, to the Bay was a culture shock in a lot of ways. Cause it was just so weird to us. It was like, it was just way different. And so like, you know, I got exposed to just, you know, the goods and bad sides of other places, like, you know, like the Bay Area is like, you know, beautiful, like beautiful, like, you know, trails, like yeah, hiking and just all that's like food. Um, But then you also have like the homelessness that I wasn't used to. I was like seeing homelessness everywhere. Like I wasn't used to that. And so, you know, I would just say like, it's extremely important that people travel. I mean, it was because especially like even for a career too, because like that, that, that my career everywhere, like that took, like that, that exploded my career. Like everybody that, um, even like my friend that joined, I mean, said came with me to the Bay, you know, his career took off in unexplained ways, you know, and oh, um, he was also a programmer, a techie as well. He was, he was in, he's in tech. He's a product manager. So, product manager, you know, um, okay. yeah. And so, you know, like without that move, like we, I probably still be at four. I, I like, you know, before I left, actually, this was like five years ago, a lot happened like within like this five years. And, um, you know, like when I first got to four, they're like, yeah, okay, we're, you know, we're going to put you on a plan. You're going to be here like, you know, five years and you get up to X, Y, and Z. And I remember thinking like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't. I don't, I don't think that works for millennials or Gen Z anymore. Like I don't think no. people stay that long companies anymore yeah exactly like it's just not because it's just like you're not going to you're going to hold yourself back to be honest you know like that's just the truth like you may have like some authority within that company but like there's this whole world out here that that you can go check out and, and learn from because like like going to california i mean i just met so many different types of people saw a different way of life tried different things started meditating tried yoga tried all these different foods and just met way more people like michigan was like you knew everybody like it was only like a small on people you do something you hear about it somebody else does it they hear about it like it's like it's not that big but like right. in california it's like you're like an ant in, on the anthill it's like it's like a you could like people. yeah it's just so many people it's like you mean it right you'll, you'll see a thousand people in one day whereas michigan you're not gonna see a thousand people that makes sense that makes sense L- let me ask you this as relating to like company culture right so you were in an automotive company before in michigan you moved to a startup in san francisco i'm sure that's like day and night i always like asking people who work or who worked in, in startups like what, what do you think this whole diversity and inclusion thing like silicon valley or san francisco or the bay and all that like it seems on paper that they're really championing this diversity and inclusion thing thing like the mm-hmm. tech industry mm-hmm. how serious do you think companies are really taking it do you think it's a lot like whitewashing where most of the time like one of the two black people is the head of diversity that kind of thing and they're not really making that effort to really hire or be part of these communities or make sure that their workforce is diversified but when things like Black Lives Matter happen Mm -hmm. they they release a statement and things like that Mm -hmm. like you've been on the inside you don't have to get specific about a company but how serious do you think the tech industry is taking diversity and inclusion? So I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and um and predominantly white schools for, right. uh, for the most part. It's the you know, FBI maybe a little bit more diversity. Stop us from having this conversation. You know, um, <laughs> the same things that I noticed growing up, the same things that you would have in um in these companies. I think the diversity and inclusions are are good steps forward. You know, it's better than no steps. That's the way I see it. Um, I I think that you know you have, you know um uh let me think about the tech culture, just white with these white people in tech culture. You know, I think that a lot of times it's just hard for them to see certain problems. I think that they don't see a problem until they're called out on certain problems for the most part. Um, I think that they do the natural thing, which like anybody would do in their position. Um, for example, like 
you know, um, when I joined Bird, you know, it was like, you know, they're, you know, people are trying to get all their friends in, all their colleagues in and, and stuff like that. And so like, you know, they're not realizing that, um, of course, like, that's obviously putting them ahead of other people. Like, you know, that's not married. That's obviously not married. Like if you, if you're pulling strings to get, you know, and so for me, I didn't really think much of it. I wasn't mad at that. Like for me, I was like, you know what, like, if that's what you guys are doing, then, then I'm going to get my friends and my colleagues in and pull the same strings and, you know, and, and try to get as many people as possible who are black or minorities and, and also like support them while they're here. And so, you know, um, but like, they don't, they, it's 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 as far as like them like is it a genuine effort i mean i i, I have no clue um i think that like i said i think some steps forward but um it's um we'll see man because i think that it's still a perception issue in a lot of different ways it's like very nuanced and it really just depends on the scenarios that happen but i think perception plays a lot into stuff um i think oftentimes not everybody's bought in either on diversity problems some people don't really think it's an issue at all um some people just think that oh well if we have a diversity quota or something like that then that means qualified candidates are not going to get in i can sit here and tell you that that's completely false i'll tell you why um you know when i i sat on over 100 interviews um in my career and oftentimes you know um when you have regular like say you have a white candidate you know yeah they might not be that good and that that happens just like any other candidate like it doesn't matter it could be asian why women they could be women it doesn't really matter but one thing i noticed is that with when it comes to the, like more diverse candidates you know um or minorities in general there's always that extra seed of doubt that's that's thrown in for some reason like it's like just actually like it's always the extra like wait well what about this piece right here like oh what like and it, but it's not like overt so it's like there's no way that nobody would like would be like oh we're doing anything wrong but it's more so like oh well th- what about when they did this or what, like and i don't know i I don't get the impression that people are intentionally doing that. I think that they just naturally, yeah, I think people have this this built-in thing where they 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 look at certain people and think certain things, and they and they also have a tendency to not believe minorities for certain for certain things. So I think that it's, mm. it's, it's, it might be like learned behavior or something. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah. No. Exactly. And it, so it's not just them. So it's like you know, it's this interesting thing where, like I was saying earlier, perception. And that happens um, within the minority example, community seen, as well. Like seen, in some minority you know, communities, they you know, tend to trust other communities that, than their own. Like, I, don't even, I don't want to even say not that good. Cause I actually like some of these guys, but like um, I would say, like they weren't all the way up to the bar of the hiring bar. But then, like then it would be like, okay, well, like can we send them a book? Can we can we do this? Can we do that? And I'm like, I've never seen them do that for any other candidate. And so it's like, you, you know, when you're, it's almost like, and and growing up black, you kind of always know, like, you got to be better than X, Y, and Z. And I've always known that um, exactly. Like, because even for example, like, you know, I'm not even going to name the companies, but like, there was some companies where I was like, I had a conversation with, you know, the CTO and I was like, look, like, you know, I am. You have to be able to fly where almost other people a junior can walk developer. to kind of thing. But literally nobody that I work with had like has my experience, the amount of experience. Neither like neither do they have the amount of accolades that I've had as far as actual product building and product success. Like you I work with nobody that's ever launched their own app. I work with nobody that's ever like made money with their own app. I work with nobody that's doing X, Y, and Z. Like I, I can't even understand and and they were embarrassed, you know. So it's like but the whole, it doesn't even matter if they're embarrassed. The whole thing is, is that the fact that I even have to stand up, stand up and say that is, it's just, is a problem in itself. So I would say like, as far as diversity and inclusion, I mean, you know, I don't, I, I mean, not much. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't there for that much longer after that conversation, you know, so not that much. Ever. I guess the question will be what happened after that conversation? Oh, so, so they didn't make any steps to like promote you or anything? Yeah. Cause that's another thing, right? We have a lot of conversations. Like we talk, we talk, yeah. we talk, we talk, but how many like legislations are being changed? How many like actions are being taken towards, you know, putting the nation's money where their mouth is? And I say this only having lived in the country for less than five years. I'm Nigerian. I came here in 26, 20 what? And like, I already, so I can't even imagine like growing up here, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, so no, they didn't make any immediate changes. I think they would have over time, you know, but I didn't have the time to, and I didn't leave because of racial issues, but like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't there for that much longer after that conversation to begin with, you know, and, but, but when I, when I was, you know, um, but I've had other organizations where, you know, um, for example, like, you know, they have allowed me to do diversity events, like, you know, but she has to like, you know, for example, like there was one big Afrotech conference that, that, that was being done like over the past three years and so many from Africa reached out to me directly. And this is while I was at Bird. 
And, um, you know, and so I already knew kind of how everything was set up in Bird. And I had a lot of influence. I was an early engineer. And you're talking there. about Bird, the, so scooter app, the scooter company. Happen. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I was able to get like, um, you know, uh, Bird, like in, involved with Afrotech and, you know, um, and, and, and things of that nature. But I could just imagine like, you know, um, you know, how it like, for me, that was easier to do because of like me being early at the company. Like I was super early. Like I was maybe like the fifth or sixth engineer on the team. Like I knew everybody. Like, but like I don't know how that conversation would go to with another company that doesn't have somebody who is you know a minority or black just early on and has that influence that right, I had. Right. I had a lot. Okay, of so eventually, like you experience all these things, you took all your learnings and you actually launched your own startup, which we were talking about just before um, yeah. the episode started. And congratulations on your raise by the way um talk talk to yeah. us a little bit about safe uh, which is your i guess cybersecurity startup but well, let, let me leave you to to, to make the introductions yes. what yes. is safe so safe is a privacy and security company right now we help uh startups and vcs protect their email um by sit by showing that someone is verified via a blue check next to their name on the on the email um and so what we're using is raising encryption to do that and so um yeah like you know um you know started the company um i really started the company like officially like a couple months ago but like safe like the first forever version of safe like was an app that i built before i joined bird and it was an encrypted communications app and you know i just built it because i was trying to send some personal information to somebody and you know i come from a hacking background i was hacking my php hacking like wi-fi networks hacking games so like i don't really trust the internet like that so i made this app so hackers are paranoid that's what you're saying and um while i was at bird (laughs) oh yeah of course i mean if you if you you knew what i knew you know you would you would think twice right so you know um and so um and so i i just made that app and while i was at bird it was making a couple thousand dollars a month kind of like just passively and so when i left bird i had all these different ideas but i was like you know what like maybe like why am I doing all these different ideas when I have something right now that's making money, but then also like, I know a lot about security and hacking, you know? And so, you know, I started focusing on that. And like I said, it started off as the app, but then, you know, um, not too long after that, like, you know, I joined Upfront as an entrepreneur in residence. And, you know, while I was at Upfront, I was starting exploring a little bit. And I realized that, you know, pretty much every VC firm that I talked to was getting phishing emails. So then I was like, I started like trying to figure out why that was. And I realized that one, most like VCs don't really have like a dedicated IT. So like nobody's like shopping for like these phishing things, but also like most phishing products out there, they're not built for like smaller teams. They're not built for like, they're built for enterprises that require a head of IT, a CISO, you know, a CTO to go shop for these, for that product and then deploy it to the whole organization. So then I said, okay, well, everybody's doing like a top-down SaaS approach. Why don't we do this bottom-up SaaS approach where we're building a product for teams, um, easy to get started, requires no approval from like finance or legal. And it's as simple so as- So how, how do you get up. signed up and how do you integrate it into your company emails? Yeah, so right now, like it's, 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 it's not out yet. So like we're building it right now, but the way that it would work is you, um, so very similar to Slack where it's like, you know, you, you would enter a company email enter the company name and then you invite your teammates and then when you invite your teammates um so then now when you're emailing other people on uh, chrome so this is a chrome extension by the way i forgot to mention that so you download the chrome extension first but you know when you're emailing people on your team um you would see the blue check next to their name and then also when you're uh when when you're emailing other people on the safe network blue then check you would also see their wait their so does that mean i can filter uh, yeah. my emails to exactly. make sure that someone without a blue check doesn't have access or i see the people with blue checks first kind of like instagram like if you're verified on instagram you go to your dm kind of thing yes. like yes this is a lot like that the, the dm is the perfect example it's like if you go to instagram and you see your dms and then like a few like, of them have wow, the bad news like for yeah. people looking for jobs man all these recruiters are not going to be getting your emails anymore bro what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no I, it's not a part of a roger that right well it's, it's always interesting uh, getting to experience like a, a, a black entrepreneur or minority entrepreneur, like doing great things. Um, I really wish you the best uh, in your startup. Um, obviously, we can circle back, you know, a few months from now and kind of like touch base. That, oh, this is a few months later. What are you doing right now? Kind of thing. Um, but what is your future look like? Like in tech, 
for safe for you personally like what does that look like what do you want to use all these skills and networks and relationships you've amassed over the years to kind of like achieve for Rodney or for us or for humanity in the future yeah yeah I mean the big thing that I want to do um, is build you know a really big company you know and build a very valuable company you know I want to build you know the the, the world's most loved security brand and you know we we got the right backers right now help us do that and i think that we have the right strategy uh maybe it will change maybe it won't but you know um yeah that's that's what the the current plan is and you know um you know who long who, who knows how long that will take but you know um maybe five ten years and you know we'll we'll do that and try to you know um scale across you know the internet and um we get to a point when that chapter is over the next thing for me would be investing you know like being able to invest in um, you know, early founders that I see, and I see a lot of people, and like, I see a lot of founders, I know a lot of people. Um, I also, you know, I think that, you know, being a founder helps you be an investor, because I just think that, you know, when you're an investor that hasn't started your own business, I think you're just, they're good investors like that. But I do think that you you can't Facts. just know as much about the process as, as you would like other people, as you wouldn't, you can't know as much about the process as you, as you would game like everyone, game everyone to believe, you know, um, Exactly, exactly. And so like, you know, and also like, there's things along the way of fundraising that I've noticed. And, you know, and being an investor will give me that ability to solve that. It's kind of like, even with this fund, like being a founder, it's like, there's things that I've seen founders, you know, do both good and bad. And so this is the opportunity to do it my way and, and, and do it the way I think is the right way. And then the next phase. Nice, I'll, nice. I'll How can people thing. reach out to you? I mean, you just raised, I'm not sure if you're hiring or you're you're looking for specific people. Um, what kind of like, how can people reach out to you with like questions if uh, there are other founders or people want to get in touch with you, how they do that? They need to go through safe. That's the right answer. Have um, that blue check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sign up for the wait list. Yeah, so um, you can always email, you can always email me at rodney at getsafehouse.com. But also, like, I mean, you can find me online on almost every platform, Twitter, Instagram, at archie2official. Um, and so you can send me a DM. You can follow me, whatever the case. Um, you know, I'm pretty much on those, you know, regularly. So I'll, I'll see it for sure. Um, but yeah, like email. Well, what's or the rationale media. behind your username, RT2? Um, oh, so that's I'm running oh, okay. here, so just, just like, you know, so yeah, 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 great, 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 great. Okay, it's been the Culture Class <laughs> Podcast. Uh, you guys can reach us at cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website, cultureclasspodcast.com, and follow us on social media. Uh, till our next episode, thank you for listening and be well. Peace.